From our offices in Media City, Dubai, I'm John Lillywhite and this is the UAE Tech Podcast Expo Edition, a celebration of how technology is reshaping culture, economics and governance for the 21st century, brought to you by Albawaba Business. If you're interested in sponsoring the UAE Tech Podcast, tune in at the end of this episode for more information. For instance, like the current uh, game model uh, is that, well, the game company will decide which works better and they are going to spend a lot of money and a lot of time um, putting in a lot of uh, effort, inviting game designer, level designer, you know, all this kind of job in Mm. um, traditional uh, game industry to build a world and a story with a lot of quests for example, or challenges with a lot of monetization model, like in-game currency, Uh, you can buy those different season pass, battle pass, as well to deblock those different levels and uh, different stories, different parts of the map and the world. And as a player, you can, um, well, do those challenges or spend money buying those assets that you can enjoy in the game. That's the tradition traditional model of a video game and the motivation, of course, as you said, uh, the way of playing, uh, people want to have fun. People want to socialize maybe with their couple of their friends and, uh, that's it. Right. Normally. And the thing is, this model is like a world garden, um, the money, the players spend inside of the game, it's gone. It's inside of the virtual item. And then they have to like keep playing this game, keep using this items, or like do in-game uh, uh, trade to trade it into in-game money. But it's locked inside of this ecosystem, uh, and they can never get it back or use it somewhere else. And eventually, people stay stop playing uh, a game because you know, like there are huge game, triple uh, A game. People can spend two hundred hours, or let's say, okay, maximum three hundred hours on it. And that's it. It's not a, it's not replayable forever. And uh, in the metaverse, what I really observe is um, people have different motivation, meaning that there are more and more creator tools. People can easily build um, like uh, their own, for example, uh, virtual houses or any other functionalities. During the 2008 economic crash, you'd often see phrases like masters of the universe or too big to fail used unironically by journalists to describe the power of Wall Street banks and financial institutions. In many ways, a similar oligarchy of institutions have formed in the global technology industry. Today, big tech rules cyberspace. And yet, like the financial system before it, cyberspace is reshaping and fighting back. Now, we're not entirely sure what the end result will be, but for now, let's just call it the Metaverse. In this episode, we talk with Yingzie Yuan, founder of the Metaverse Summit. Yingzie comes from a gaming innovation background in Europe at the same time as having a strong familiarity with gaming culture in Chinese and Asian markets. That's important because it's not just social media giants that are moving into the Metaverse. One of the features of a 3D virtual web is that, well, it's in 3D. And guess what? Game makers have been designing 3D worlds for decades. 
That's why most of the best physics engines, rendering environments, and creative tools are actually owned by video game companies. Slowly but surely, game design principles are merging with NFTs, cryptocurrencies, and decentralized forms of governance. But will it be enough? Can Web3 standards prevail? Or is a multipolar metaverse order of incumbent giant tech platforms and decentralized rebel hinterlands on the horizon? We spoke with Yingzi for some early insights into how the gaming community may shape the metaverse. Today we're talking to Yingzi Yuan, founder of the Metaverse Summit. Yingzi, thanks so much for joining us today. And very quickly, could you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you founded the Metaverse Summit? Thank you, John, and very glad to be here. And hello, everybody. My name is Yingzi. Um, actually, uh, I've been working in video game industry in our R&D lab for almost three years, and during it. This time, I've been studying a lot of innovation, either regarding technology or regarding business model innovation. For instance, I've been studying some emerging business uh, trend like uh, socialization, like uh, social e-commerce, and some other more tech innovations such as virtual humans, uh, virtual influencers, and of course, um, the whole trend of user-generated content as well. Uh, basically, that's how I got into uh, the topic of metaverse. Well, during those three years, I didn't always use the word metaverse. Um, I was more using like the word of uh, virtualization of this world. Uh, I really believe in the notion of virtualization, meaning that um, like end consumers, like you and me, we are using more and more uh, technology that was used to be um, digital tech. And now it's like virtual tech. We want to interact virtually. We want to purchase things virtually. And we are putting more and more data into this virtual world as well. So after um, you know the famous speech from Tim Sweeney from Epic Game, I started to use this word metaverse as well, like one year ago way before you know the famous transition of Facebook into Meta. So mm. I've been observing this trend for a very long time and it's a, such a um, passionating, such an exciting topic and bring a lot of opportunities and a lot of possibilities in entertainment and beyond. So that's why I founded the Metaverse Summit. Basically my personal uh, idea is also to tell everybody what actually is metaverse and how can they be part of it. I want to say, okay, metaverse is not only Facebook, it's not only meta, it's an open world, it's a decentralized world, and it, it includes a lot of different services and products such as gaming, such as uh, um, blockchain, such as e-commerce. So that's the main goal of Metaverse Summit. Thanks for that. I mean, there's there's quite a lot there, and what's interesting as well with you isn't just you know experience in in Europe and uh, in Asia, but a background in gaming. Um, and a lot of people we've had on on the podcast in the past have come from kind of fintech or crypto background. They've come from a big tech background, so you know they're used to dealing with with kind of monetization and things like that. But we've actually spoken to very few people 
that have come from a gaming background. So I guess to begin with, how do you think, what is the connection between the metaverse and the gaming community? I think that might be a really good point to start this conversation. It's also very simple point, but in a way it's quite complicated. You know, we are using this new phrase, the metaverse now. A lot of people are talking about it that weren't talking about it before. What role does the game industry and gaming have to play in all of this? Mm -hmm. That's actually a great question. And I've been asked pretty much a lot about this question as well. Um, and of metaverse um, actually means in a perfect state of art, like in the future, there will be like this is real-time synchronized world where users can interact fluently in uh, their virtual avatar way. And it's like a, a cross-platform thing. It's really ideal, I would say. And the current stage when we're talking about metaverse, I would say it is kind of like a, the trials or the prototypes of metaverses, including some uh, games and some other uh, platforms. Uh, when I say that, I refer to, for instance, Fortnite. Uh, we can call it a metaverse, even though it's not um, yet yeah. a platform that can include, at the same time, one million people. It can include a couple of hundreds of people uh, in the same platform. They can do a real-time event. They can socialize. They can create some user-generated content, although it's pretty top-down approach for now. And for instance, Fortnite, I can say it's a prototype of metaverse. And for instance, some other gaming actors who are more uh, linked with uh, user-generated content, such as uh, Minecraft, or let's say uh, one perfect example is uh, Roblox. It's mm. a little bit far from gaming already because it's not a game designer and game developer who decide what's the thing you are going to see and play with, what's the storyline, but you are building your own story and your own asset. So this kind of uh, a new mechanism, I think, is in a more advanced stage, closer to the ideal version of Metaverse. And then, uh, for instance, uh, some other platform uh, that are based on Web3 technology, for instance, Decentraland, the sandbox and crypto voxel, uh, although in a design point of view, sometimes they are, let's say, not as uh, beautiful or as playable or as advanced as those uh, AAA games. Um, let's say sometimes they are pretty ugly, but in terms of the infrastructure of blockchain, they are um, more decentralized, that they have a better interoperability and uh, people actually have a different motivation and different way of uh, uh, spending time on it. Uh, for instance, you can buy the lands, you can sell the virtual lands, you can build something on it, you can sell virtual art in a virtual gallery inside of this world with real crypto money, with the human, with the real value behind. So that's a point that differentiates this kind of platform with the gaming. So I would say even um, this kind of uh, ugly platforms, they are more advanced than the Fortnite kind of game uh, in a metaverse uh, point of view. So in the future, we can imagine a lot more possibility. Uh, for instance, you can have the quality of art, of uh, environment, of uh, virtual avatar, of the AAA game now, or even more advanced, more humanized. 
and you can have the infrastructure with a open economy and you can have a real-time interaction with everybody with any amount of people in the same platform or you can uh, do it cross-platform using different technology like AR or VR or like future uh, yeah. handware or hardware. So that's like the ideal version, I would say. That is an amazing summary. Thank you for that. Um, you know what? I think we should go into the dream a little bit, you know, kind of what is the dream for all of this? And a quick question on that might be, you know, you've made this distinction between kind of the beautiful AAA games, you know, and the ugly games that actually have really interesting infrastructure and real world economies where you can buy land, you can upload your avatar, you can um, kind of play, if that's the right world, within a, a virtual asset or a virtual asset economy. But at the moment, that's not really accessible on games like Fortnite or even, you know, games like The Witcher. You, you know, you're running around these worlds. They are still centralized. They're controlled by or, you know, that they're, they're, they're kind of closed systems. When you buy um, an item on some of these worlds, it's not registered on the blockchain. It's, it's pretty much licensed through the game itself. It's not kind of a virtual asset. So is the dream really kind of, you know, massive multiplayer online worlds where everyone is playing simultaneously and there are real world economies that are decentralized, established on the blockchain where you can share, trade and create new kinds of virtual assets. Is that really what we're talking about here? Is this the kind of holy grail for both, you know, everyone for the gaming community as well as big companies like Meta or, or are people going in different directions? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question because uh, um, that's precisely a question that I was asking myself that I was debating with friends either in gaming industry or in entertainment or in Web3 in general. So mm. I think uh, from my personal point of view, uh, the different uh, actors, either the gaming giants or the Web3 protocols, platforms, or uh, let's say uh, the traditional player of Web2, uh, for instance, uh, Microsoft or uh, Meta, uh, everybody is trying to um, start from their uh, playground and to go into the direction of like, you know, doing everything, trying to onboard um, some uh, blockchain elements uh, from the point of view of a gaming giant, for example, and trying to onboard gaming developers, uh, indie games, and uh, uh, trying to invite developer community to build platforms on top of their protocol from a uh, protocol, blockchain protocol point of view. So um, what I was trying to say is a different um, kind of actors have their different uh, competitive advantage, but the goal is kind of the same. They want to do everything and they want to build their ecosystem. They want people to be on their platform and services. Want right. to, uh, you know, th- this is kind of the goal. Of of course, the Web3 actors, they have a more decentralized, um, let's say, point of view. They just build the the, the pro- uh, platform, right? And then you can use their service to build anything you want. So if you build something, for instance, on Facebook and they can easily say, okay, you are not what they are looking for. They can either reject you or they can censor you. Um, This is like more top-down and centralized approach. 
So regarding your question, actually, um, I launched a pool on my LinkedIn because my LinkedIn, there are people either from uh, gaming or from Web3, right? So I was asking people, what do they think will win the playground of metaverse in 10 years? Are they like a video game giant like Epic Game or social network giant like Meta or some uh, blockchain natives? Um, and people really have different point of view. Um, in the end, okay, it's my circle. So <laughs> video game giant slightly <laughs> win this poll. But uh, personally, well, I would say I voted on uh, Web3 native platforms. So that's my bet. I, so I hope it's the Web3 native platforms. Um, so I had a discussion with someone. I saw your poll on LinkedIn and I thought it was a really interesting poll. You know, is it the big gaming companies? Is it the kind of legacy social media companies or is it these emerging Web3 um, systems? And um, I had a discussion with uh, an interesting guy here in Dubai um, about a week ago who runs a kind of a v VR entertainment parks uh, here in Dubai and in, in other cities elsewhere in the world. And he said, you know, um, he basically reiterated what you said. He says, you know what, I'm from a gaming background. I'm not necessarily from the blockchain background, but I'm definitely not from the kind of centralized big tech background. And he said, so for me, my culture, my audience, the people that come in and use my hardware are all kind of gamers. And he said, so when I, when I listen to uh, these articles about the metaverse being basically an extension of social media, I'm sure that will happen. But for me, that's not what I see the metaverse as. This is what he said at a conference. He said, for me, you know, my entry point into this is the gaming community. So do you think different the metaverse will, in, as it emerges, will really find a way to kind of host and, and become a, a playground, as you use, you use that term, for all these different communities. You know, the, the guys that like going online for social media, the guys that want to play games, the guys that really want to see a lot of these worlds as, as a new kind of ecosystem for the economy and no, a new form of investment. Or do you think it will coalesce in one direction? So will it be a kind of splintered, multipolar environment where, like the internet, where everyone goes on to do a whole host of things? Or do you think it will go across a social media vertical or a gaming vertical or a virtual asset vertical? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, fantastic. Um, fantastic point of view from your friend as well. Oh, well, um, personally, I really think there are a couple of uh, differentiation uh, between uh, the motivation and the way of doing in metaverse and in games. For instance, like the current uh, game model uh, is that, well, the game company will decide which works better and they are going to spend a lot of money and a lot of time um, putting in a lot of uh, effort, inviting game designer, level designer, you know, all this kind of job in um, mm. traditional uh, game industry to build a world and a story with a lot of quests, for example, or challenges with yeah. a lot of monetization model, like in-game currency. Uh, you can buy those different season pass, battle pass, as well to deblock those different levels and uh, different stories, different parts of the map and the world. And as a player, you can um, well, do those challenges or spend money buying those assets that you can enjoy in the game. That's the 
traditional model of a video game. And the motivation, of course, as you said, uh, the way of playing. Uh, people want to have fun. People want to socialize maybe with their couple of their friends. And uh, that's it, right? Normally. And the thing is, this model is like a world garden. Uh, the money the players spend inside of the game, it's gone. It's inside of the virtual item. And then they have to like keep playing this game, keep using these items, or like do in-game uh, uh, trade to trade it into in-game money, but it's locked inside of this ecosystem. Uh, and they can never get it back or use it somewhere else. And eventually people stay, stop playing uh, a game because, you know, like they're a huge game, triple uh, A game, people can spend 200 hours or let's say, okay, maximum 300 hours on it. And that's it. It's not a, it's not replayable forever. And uh, in the metaverse, what I really observe is um, people have different motivation, meaning that there are more and more creator tools. People can easily build um, like uh, their own, for example, uh, virtual houses or any other functionalities. Um, like Roblox, for instance, it's an intermediate stage, meaning that um, it is open for developers, even like uh, not a very skilled new developer can develop something good uh, on top of their platform. Uh, there are a lot of kids building things on it as well. It's already simplified and democratized as 3D creation as uh, UGC content, let's say. But in the future, uh, what I really believe in is um, people are motivated to build experiences, to build services, to build uh, products and um, to share it with the others inside of Metaverse. That is a different motivation as in the uh, current stage of video gaming. Uh, that is one thing. And uh, another thing is that uh, because the future Metaverse or uh, let's say the current uh, Web3 based Metaverses are having this open economy, when you are investing in this virtual land, when you are buying uh, digital art inside of this virtual land, you are having a different experience. You are spending the money, but you also believe in it. You have a preference of this item. That's why you buy it. And then you either have a transactional motivation or you, have, you are supporting an artist. This motivation is different than also the the current player in the video game, uh, you're spending money just to wear it like for some couple of times when you're uh, still inside of the system, right? So that's another part uh, that is different. And also, of course, there are some other innovations or changes that we can discover uh, by time as well. Uh, for instance, um, what I'm really looking forward to is Everybody can have their digital identity, uh, have, can of course have their digital avatar and they really have their ownership of their avatar. And they can uh, not rely on the updates on the limited options uh, provided by the video game company uh, to personalize their avatar, to choose who they are, but they can really be whoever they are, who they, whoever they want to be uh, in this virtual world. And I think 
that part is really important as well. That's a, a really amazing uh, summary and answer to that question. Thanks so much for that. There's a couple of things to pick up on. I think we need to return to the final point you made about the the role of having your avatar and having ownership, which I guess is a key word in this whole metaverse discussion. Um, we'll get back to that, but I, I, that point on kind of organizational structure, the idea that if you have a, a massive, large um, existing kind of legacy gaming company or, or really any kind of company that works in a digital ecosystem, you know, you hire designers, you hire creators, you have managers and project managers and teams and all this sort of thing. But if you're working on a decentralized kind of platform, you you know, where none of the infrastructure is really centralized, then you can have organic creators and teams and new forms of organization, people creating their, those things all over the world across decentralized networks with no kind of central authority. So in a way, the decentralized worlds can grow organically with creators and um, people buying property and building new things all over, you know, different different parts of the world. Whereas the centralized gaming platforms, they have their own KPIs. They actually have to hire people. Those people report and all that sort of thing. So just that hint of kind of the different the different ways of forming organizational creativity. You know, you've got your AA games where you have your great coders, but as you said in Roblox, anyone can pick it up and try and build stuff and. It does seem like that that will be, an, I never thought about that, but that will be interesting going forwards to see how big gaming companies and other big, big companies like Meta really compete against, you know, indie talent from all over the world, whether indie talent will come onto those platforms or indie talent will, will scale their own platforms. What do you think will happen with that, actually? Do you think big companies like Meta and, and other, you know, giant gaming platforms will increasingly look to hire and work with indie talent all over the world? Or do you think indie talent and blockchain talent will kind of coalesce around these blockchain-based distributed worlds that are also growing? Well, um, regarding the first part, um, well, it depends really on what Meta thinks, what Zuckerberg thinks, if they yeah, good, really want to open their ecosystem, which is kind of what they were not doing. And if they want to do in the future, well, it's the time, right? Now is the time. So I would have to say um, from the current uh, state of art, uh, the latter option might be the scenario to be. Um, mm. I've uh, been to Lisbon this year to attend the Ethereum Lisbon and also Solana's first conference in Lisbon. And I saw this amazing crowd of people, of developers who are trying to build their project on top of the protocols. Uh, there are some games, and there are some other um, on blockchain protocols, right? Beginnings, exactly. Uh, so yeah. both Ethereum and uh, Solana and are Solana. two yeah. uh, blockchain protocols. And so they are launching a lot of uh, hackathons and a lot of uh, like supporting funds to finance those project builders as well. So we That's are amazing. really seeing the efforts. Uh, mm. Yeah, exactly. From well, the protocol's point of view, to incentivize uh, developers to enlarge the ecosystem. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting you said that. Something very, very similar is happening here in Dubai, in the UAE. I don't know if, if you know, but during 
COVID-19, a lot of the world's kind of crypto industry and blockchain industry in particular um, from China, from, from Eastern Europe, Russia, um, from Texas often, kind of uh, descended on Dubai, partly because it, it was one of the, you know, relatively, it was one of the most open markets for, for at least six to eight months during COVID-19. And here now you have a lot of discussion over the metaverse because a lot of that blockchain crypto um, community are, have always been, been gamers anyway, and are very interested in, as you said, building out these protocols. So do you really think that's why the blockchain is important? Do you think the blockchain will become really the, the critical piece of infrastructure for the metaverse going forward? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, regarding what you mentioned, uh, well, I'm really happy to see um, that uh, a lot of the different companies in the whole world, they are trying to build this and it's really like a global community. And also, I agree with what you said. There are a lot of similarities between the gaming crowd and the crypto crowd. That's why I think uh, the next big thing that it will onboard uh let's say, let's have a bet, like a next 1 billion users can be a good gaming project with a better um, game design, gameplay than Axie Infinity, which is the most successful play-to-earn crypto game right now. And this will really become uh, the next big thing to onboard more and more um, people who are non-blockchain and non-crypto now into crypto and Web3. So that's uh, to uh, you know reply to what you were saying, and uh, your question is, uh, do I think a blockchain is an important part of a metaverse? I would say yes. Um, it is a necessary part, and it is let's say inevitable part. If you want to build a, a metaverse that is not the meta version, the Zuckerberg version, you need uh, to revolutionize this, uh, I would say, you need different actors to have different vision, who has different technology uh, mm. that has, that's different from the current monetization model, which is uh, taking your data, monetize yeah. it, pushing you 100%. advertising and everything. So I would say from this point of view, uh, blockchain really de-block a lot of uh, different possibilities and opportunities, uh, not yeah. only for like crypto gaming, but also uh, for onboarding all kinds of, let's say, services and products into the virtual world. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. We had a really interesting episode with a group called the Open Index Protocol, but it's been a theme really running throughout the UAE Tech Podcast. We've looked a lot at the history of, of, of Web2 and walled gardens and surveillance capitalism. And, and kind of we've had one or two episodes on how to fix the internet. And it seems like a lot of the debates that really began in the 1970s with the beginnings of cyberspace over kind of open platforms, open source, free worlds are now kind of coalescing around the metaverse. And I think the, the idea that blockchain can solve, hopefully, many of the kind of walled garden and, and surveillance capitalism um, kind of um, systems that we saw come up in Web2 it seems to be a really good argument. And we do have a whole generation that that are much more aware of, of, of that than I think we were in the past when we were growing up with it. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe just to add on to that, uh, when we're talking about Web3 and blockchain, well, I used to think, or we think still that we're 
talking about one thing, but there are so many different protocols and people have very different opinions and visions of how to use it and how to build it. And this still in a very, very early stage, everything can happen. So uh, even like when we're talking about blockchain, we're talking about already a lot of different things. And yeah. There are I mean, pro, you more know, or less version of uh, ex- decentralization, ex- for example. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I read, you know, there's some guys who don't like, you know, proof of proof of um, work uses so much electricity, this idea of moving to proof of stake. And, and then you've got uh, even, I mean, even many of the blockchain worlds that you mentioned earlier aren't interoperable yet, are they? So if you buy, you know, a piece of real estate in Decentraland, you can't move it over to some of these other worlds. And, and that is a problem, isn't it, going forwards? Um, because surely that needs to happen. Yeah, um, precisely. All those uh, platforms, they try to um, sell more and more of their assets. And uh, the main difference between, for example, what we were saying, like when you buy a land in decentralized land, you can always cash out by selling it. And... Uh, get the cash, like I'm. what I mean is crypto, of course, and you can use this uh, crypto in uh, another place, right? Either spend it somewhere else or spend it differently in the same platform. So that's a free decision that is different in comparison with the traditional model. Yeah, it's still massively superior. So very quickly, Yingzi, I wanted to ask you about a couple of other things. So I also, we've talked about blockchain and we've talked about kind of the the different cultures and and movements and the role of the gaming industry. I also wanted to talk about AI and hardware, right? Because if we're talking about these worlds coming up, then it does seem like the big tech players have some real advantages in two areas. The first is it's obviously, you know, large companies that have the best physics engines, the best deep learning Uh, systems, the best capacity to integrate AI into the metaverse. So I think that's one question. For example, you know, some of the the cutting edge machine learning uh, on realistic object physics, um, that's something that the large gaming companies can bring into their worlds and have those AA games and then combine that with the blockchain. So I think that is one advantage that established players have. And then the second advantage is, is obviously in the hardware area with haptics and vr headsets and things like that would you think do you think that's that's something we need to talk more about you know if we're talking about democratizing this space how do ordinary ordinary creators um, and ordinary startups and entrepreneurs build out hardware and haptics and and create ai engines for the future of the metaverse Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, yeah those two parts are definitely uh, essential also to the whole experience. Uh, maybe I will start with the uh, hardware part because when we are saying metaverse, we are not saying this dystopia uh, scenario where everybody's wearing a VR headset, not communicating in the real world. Um, that's not the future we are hoping for for metaverse. It's kind of like uh, facilitating and, and democratizing um, the communication and the socialization it's not uh, taking our real life um, over, right? So what I mean is uh, when we are talking about hardware, we mentioned a lot uh, virtual reality headset that has been advancing during this year slowly and uh, with some actors who are stronger than the other. For instance, Oculus belongs to Meta, right? So this is definitely 
one of the things that they are trying to promote using you know their hardware and that they are also creating this uh, metaverse inside of their hardware which is controlled also by of course uh, the company itself so um, that is why hardware is definitely an important part of the whole experience uh, of people in or outside of the uh, metaverse and the uh, different tech giants are also trying to build a different version of gadgets. For instance, Google, um, sorry, Apple just announced uh, not a long time ago, one week ago, that their Apple Glass is gonna be out very soon. And this can deblock some other possibilities of how to display uh, those, uh, let's say, virtual uh, objects, those NFTs, those uh, virtual avatars inside of uh, the AR uh, glasses, right? So um, I would say to answer to your question, um, there are some risks of these tech being held by the currently established tech giants, and they will try to take over, you know, people's experience. They will limit, like, okay, who can build things inside of my system, uh, what are the content I will allow and not allow, which is sometimes a good thing. You know, it's about content moderation. But for me, it represents a risk um, yeah, uh, in terms yeah, of hardware. I agree. I mean, particularly if the, if we're arguing that, you know, the metaverse could become an economy, could become a part of the life where you can go online and trade and becomes part of your lifestyle, but also how you live, you know, then it seems giving... You know, if I'm deplatformed from Twitter, then okay, I'm upset, but it's not really gonna get me in. In you know, it, it won't affect me in a really profound way. But mm -hmm. if most of my revenue and and most of my training is digital and is involved in these online worlds, and I got kicked out of one of these worlds because I breached the terms of service for whatever silly reason, now of mm -hmm. course you know you need some form of moderation. But it does seem like in the metaverse, the stakes are a bit higher. And that, those kind of policy questions are a bit more important than they were in the past. Mm -hmm. But I also think like with the risks, there are a lot of different emerging actors who are trying to build things differently. Like there are uh, some hologram displays that have been improving themselves since like the last couple of years. They reached like a real photorealism. And we are also seeing like a brain machine connection, some startups are doing it, although they're not mainstream, they're not to the general public yet, but they are making efforts in uh, some very different directions. We are seeing the improvements uh, in terms of hardware, which is a good thing because we will have a different uh, cross-platform possibility of uh, interacting with each other, with, which uh, I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, me too. And I, I, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just uh, for instance, like uh, uh, this can also uh, bring us back to your question regarding uh, AI, right? Because uh, we have blockchain, but uh, the current stage of development of AI is really fascinating as well. Uh, we can definitely combine uh, those different elements and create a lot of different services. Uh, when I'm talking about that, I can mention, for instance, the example of uh, uh, digital human. Um, there are some companies already launched a virtual human and virtual assistant, let's say, who can, you know, uh, answer your question, 
who can uh, be a customer service agent or specialist. And uh, when this kind of thing uh, can be combined with uh, blockchain, you can have at the same time the off-chain intelligence, meaning it's powered by uh, deep learning um, AI, let's say, and uh, the on-chain um, intelligence, let's say, that are written inside of the smart contract. We can really deblock de a lot of different possibilities with this kind of combinations in different industry. Yeah, I know. I was so that was what I was going to ask you about. It. It seems like the human element uh, is really important for you. The role of the avatar um, and what this, these combination of technologies can do. Why? Why is it that so many people who are interested in the metaverse are really interested in the avatar and in in AI and in in how you know you can have virtual assistants or virtual traders or um, you know, even teams of people that to some extent are, are, are activated, are autonomous. Why do you think that's such a big deal and so interesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, because, well, I really believe in um, humor, meaning that actually just uh, return to some context. In the beginning, I wasn't in video game. I was in film industry and what fascinated me was the story behind people, the storytelling and uh, great. Uh, I'm so, really by the curious way, about people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people from the film industry who are interested in this space. That's just an aside, but yeah, super interesting. Yeah. That's also one possibility and uh, one uh, other um, opportunity to onboard uh, the mass market onto uh everything that is uh, blockchain-y, like uh, NFT and everything. I've been talking with some startups trying to uh, revolutionize or let's just say disrupt the traditional business model of film industry as well. Uh, before it was like produced by some big titles, companies, uh, big producers, and they decide which story to produce. For example, Netflix, they decide if they want to invest in Squid Game or not, right? So this kind of thing. But now they are trying to um, sell NFTs or tokens to finance the film production. And uh, for the community, let's say, if it is a DAO, they are a decentralized autonomous organization to decide which film to vote on to produce and to invest in so well that's in a different note so what i was in interested in film and uh, uh in human stories so i think um what's behind all these words around gaming or metaverses are like really people and their interaction and their story and that's my conviction that's why i was uh, studying on uh, this uh, new technology and the business model just to to see what can we really provide uh, to uh, everybody to people and then how can we uh, give the tool to people to uh, create to you know to interact with each other to make this world uh, available for everybody that's yeah i mean that makes total sense and just to close today because I know you also have access to the Chinese market and you know a little bit about what's going on there. Uh, two questions there, really. I think the first is, you know, I know Tencent uh, for a while, I think for, for a year or so at one point, it was one of the largest video game companies in the world. And, and China has 
a massive, massive gaming community. And it seems like China would be very well placed to kind of build elements of the metaverse and also migrate, you know, um, hundreds of millions of people into metaverse worlds. According to Nuzu, 78% of Chinese consumers aged 14 to 50 are interested in the idea of socializing within a game world compared to 57% in the US. At the same time, we know that China is really clamping down hard on crypto and blockchain. So what do you think, Inzi? What's going to happen in China um, going forward? And do you think it will play a significant role in the metaverse? Or do you think it's very hard to, to, to make a, a sober analysis at this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So another specialization of me is uh, to study, you know, China tech and the Chinese tech giants. And uh, since the last three years, I observed a lot of uh, Chinese tech giants are either uh, building their internal team to work on different, let's say, metaverse stacks, uh, either you know, computer vision team building on. Um, uh, facial recognition or like a digital avatar team building, um, you know, in-game intelligent NPCs and non-player uh, characters. And uh, for instance, uh, as you mentioned, Tencent, they've been actively acquiring uh, some uh, either tech startups or uh, IP holders to prepare for this uh, um, you know, this war for people's attention. Um, but in a general way, what I observe is um, in comparison with the Western market, the Chinese uh, way, the Chinese version of metaverse is more um, based on their public's current taste and the current way of playing. Um, because well, let's go back to the topic of gaming uh, consumption. In China, those games who are trendy might not be the same style, the same um, type of gameplay as in the Western world, even though sometimes it does uh, uh, converge. Uh, for instance, the Chinese game Jinsen Impact got very popular also in the Western world and some other Western uh, games like Call of Duty are very popular in China as well. So those game audience, they already have some similarity and some differences at the same time. And in terms of the metaverse, there are also some other uh, related differences, meaning that in China, there is this word called ACG, meaning animation, uh, cartoon, and uh, uh, gaming uh, community. So this community really are into the style of uh, cartoonish cute characters and cute gameplay. Uh, this also impacts how people interact in or of course in real life <laughs> and in the metaverse. So I would say um, to answer your question, uh, firstly the gaming giants and tech giants in China are already building their task force and uh, are already acquiring a lot of uh, different uh, parts of tech and business to build up this uh, um, Facebook-like empire of uh, metaverse. And uh, in a second point, uh, consumers are onboarding themselves also into the metaverse uh, in China, but it might be a different uh, 
version, different style of metaverse. But in the end, what I hope for personally is that uh, every metaverse is like a, a diverse and inclusive and uh, people are just gonna be free to create, to enjoy, uh, to interact in any version of metaverse. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albuaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Albuaba Business, syndication distribution on Albuaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.